Welcome to Make Money Count, the podcast by Connect Home Financing. Be sure to visit makemoneycount.com to find all of our old episodes. Be sure to rate, comment, and review on all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you want to send us a question, please send us a question to hello at connect.ca. That's connect with an A. If you're not already a subscriber, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Thank you once again for listening to Make Money Count. And now your hosts, Marcus Averis and Justin Turner. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. It's been a long time since we've done this and I'm very happy. Yeah. Very happy. I'm happy to be sitting here. Happy to be sitting here with you. And producer Matt, happy to be in a nice jacket. I'm just happy. Yeah, you look handsome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what's tell us what's going on today? Because I'm <sighs> I'm really interested. I, I you told me a little bit about what's going on, and I've been holding back my questions. So tell us. Okay, so today it is today is the 18th of May. It is whatever, end of the day. Um, if you were watching the stock market today, it took an absolute beating and it kind of had a bit of a bounce yesterday today it did (laughs) did not bounce it dropped like a stone and there's a lot of kind of uh, there's a lot of reasons for what's going on in the market right now the main reason is that the federal reserve and the central uh, banks around the world, more specifically, kind of like the G7 nations, mm-hmm. have all decided to start very heavily combating if inflation and telegraphing to the market that they're going to increase interest rates. We've already seen interest rates increase. Mm-hmm. Um, in Canada, we just saw a 50 basis point hike in April. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I mean, let's speak kind of Canada specific right now. The, the Bank of Canada is telling us that inflation numbers are still running really, really hot. And everybody can see that now, right? Like we can feel that gas, like I filled up gas today. It was like $2 and like 50 cents a liter. Um, For premium. Yeah, but still it's expensive. I don't know. Um, for like i don't even pay attention to what gas costs and today i was like oh my god like that's expensive yeah i feel you um the share of wallet for disposable income of canadians is being eroded at such a fast pace um and there is so much kind of uncertainty for canadians right now um and kind of people everywhere where does this go right like where where are we going from here how i think the biggest the biggest thing in affecting the canadian market and like you know you're looking to us we're a mortgage brokerage and a mortgage lender um so you're looking for us to kind of provide you with some input on how this is going to affect housing prices well the uncertainty of how much interest rates are going to rise as dictated by the Bank of Canada is leading to 
uh, a, a lot more of a lot more cautious behavior in the real estate market. Mm-hmm. Um, like from what I was reading today and what I've been reading over the last couple months, um, the Canadian real estate buyers um, are not showing up as they once were. Right. And there are some numbers that reflect that. Like there's something called a, there's a ratio of sales to new listings. Mm -hmm. And um, over the last year, uh, like kind of April to April, um, that number was hovering in Canada at about like 75, 76%. Meaning 75, 76% of the new listings that came up sold. Right. Like this is the ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, that number has now dropped um, to the 60s. More specifically, in Toronto, it's dropped to 45%. Um, that typically is a leading indicator for housing prices. So right. it tells us that housing prices are going to come off. Um, and I think that the reason why we're seeing that is because the Canadian consumer is saying like, geez, how can I plan to buy something right now when I don't know just how dramatically interest rates are going to increase? So mm-hmm. let, let's maybe start with that point. Because uh, we've been talking a lot about how much we think we're going to see interest rates increase. Right. So the, the deputy governor of the Bank of Canada spoke as recently as yesterday about this very topic. And the governor of the Bank of Canada spoke about it when they did their monetary policy report in April and they hiked rates 50 basis points. And it appears as though the Bank of Canada is telling us that the neutral range for the overnight rate, the mm-hmm. target rate for the Bank of Canada, which is now at 1%, mm-hmm. the neutral rate for that that they want to see is they want to bring it up to between 2 and 3%. Mm-hmm. Historically, that's been 2%. Now they're saying that it may need to be adjusted higher um, to account for inflation. That means that it's another 100 basis points from where we are right now to get to 2%. And that will affect the prime rate directly, right? So yeah. prime rate's at 3.2% right now. We can expect to see, at a minimum, another one percentage point added onto prime. So look at a prime rate of 4.2%, mm-hmm. possibly higher. Um, the reason why it may have to be higher, what the Bank of Canada is telling us, is that the ability of the Canadian consumer to withstand increasing interest rates may have increased because Canadians have saved more right. and mortgage debt has slightly decreased. I disagree. I think that um, what we're going, what we're starting to find out, what we're going to find out is that the ability for the Canadian consumer to withstand another one percentage point increase in rates is going to be just as dramatic as we thought it was pre-pandemic, and it will definitely affect uh, housing prices far more dramatically. Yeah, I mean, it already started. Yes. So I think, um, you know, kind of if you're looking for the Coles notes of this, you you don't want to rush into a fixed rate right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to, if you if you need to go into a product, you want to go variable. Right. Um, and I think that as we look at this trajectory of increasing interest rates, 
we're going to see flashing recession signs um, become more and more clear. Like I was, you know, there's this argument still in this in the states relative to the American economy. Like, are we going into a recession? Are we in a bear market? Um, I mean, today the market, the Nasdaq dropped five percent. Right. right. Um, the S and P, I think, dropped like three and a half percent. So, like, w- what we're seeing is like, hey, we're going into a recession. We're right. going into a bear market. This like, is we're here. Like 2011 recession. It was 2011. I mean, right? I don't know what to compare it to. Um, it's difficult for me to tell you um, the kind of depth that we'll go into of a recession. Um, you keep hearing these quotes like we're we're threading a needle with our federal with our monetary policy like mm-hmm. the federal reserve is threading a needle because we have to they have to fight inflation which is running super hot still like you know 6% higher 6.5% higher for Canada in April of this year versus April of last year you know these are big readings these are big numbers and um inflation is a really scary thing, especially, I don't know if you remember, we spoke about this like maybe four months ago, we were talking about what happens when you have inflation and you have slowing economic growth and increasing employment. It's called stagflation. Right. It's the worst thing that can happen to your economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like threading a needle is a really delicate way um, to say like, there's a really good chance we're going to screw this up. Right, right, right. And it, and is this Canada only, or is I'm this talking like, about like the world? Yeah, right? yeah like yeah. I'm talking about like the United States. Canada is a Canadian economy is like a pimple on the United States economy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Al- although we do have, we'll benefit from some of the resources and the energy production that we will hopefully kind of the energy production we got to bring online. Still, we got to do more to kind of stimulate that. We spoke about that in a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm just a little bit stressed today. I don't know if you can tell. I'm a little bit stressed. Yeah. I can. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. When you open the podcast, I've seen uh, uh, like you know, like Armageddon. When yeah. like newscaster gets on on the TV and he's yeah. like, "Ladies and gentlemen, like yeah. I'm signing off." Yeah, yeah. Like it was one of those. So I can tell you're stressed. I can tell you're stressed. Yeah. Okay. So I'm stressed. I'm stressed because I hate. Um, like I don't, I don't like dramatic moves, right? Mm. I don't think like um, very dramatic moves in an economy are healthy. And the reason, what stresses me out is like we we have so many of our borrowers and our investors who are also invested and subject to the stock market, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't worry about our mortgage fund. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, because I know the way we lend money and I know the borrowers that we lend money to uh, and I know how conservative we are on our loan to values. And to put it in perspective, right, like if the market in the last 24 hours dropped 5%, you're looking at a NASDAQ that dropped 5%, that, like, that level of erosion of people's savings and investments is a scary thing. Yeah. Right. People who were told, like, jump into this with your eyes closed and buy this stuff and get a mutual fund who really weren't getting like all of the upside associated with like how this market was moving because they were getting feed by management fees and, and, and um, 
you know, origination fees for the products that they were buying mm -hmm, mm -hmm. are now going to get all of the downside. Yeah. And if you've got your retirement savings in the stock market and you're watching it drop 5% in a single day, that's a scary thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's kind of saying like, well, what's the bottom? Where does this go? Listen, like March of 2020, the S&P was at 2,600. Today, when it closed, I think we were at like 3,900. Right. At its peak, I think we reached 4,500. And I'm not saying it's going to go back down to 2,600, but I'm saying that like, you know, it's got a higher probability of going lower from here than it does from going higher. Right. And the only thing that typically and historically has changed that, the thing that has kind of led to our bull market in everything has been a really accommodative federal reserve and central banking system around the world. Right. Federal reserve is what we call like the, the, the parallel entity of the uh, bank of Canada It's called the federal yeah. reserve in the United yeah, States. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I love that the, Fe the fed and like the governor of the bank of Canada, the governor of the bank of Canada believe that, you know, the governor of the Bank of Canada is saying the Canadian consumer is strong. The economy is strong. It's overheating. We're going to increase down. interest rates. We've got to slow things down. But our economy is so heavily based on our housing market mm -hmm. that things will move very dramatically and very quickly if we are not keenly aware of how much another one point or one and a half percent or two percent at the most mm -hmm. is what they're talking about neutral policy rate of three percent how much that's gonna just just shake the confidence of the canadian consumer of the canadian real estate buyer of the canadian real estate investor mm -hmm. um so i i think i still i still really think that we're going to see another one point increase and then we're going to feel the negative impact of that increase. And we're going to see rates come back down again. I think that inflation is something that like, we've spoken about all this stuff. I don't, Matt, I don't know which podcast it were, they were. You should maybe somehow find a way to like, put it up on the screen or something or after the fact the reason why it's happening like the reason why joe biden is talking about inflation in the united states is because people are feeling inflation right people are feeling it but this inflation is being caused by people within the supply chain increasing profitability it's being it's being caused by certain disruptions today and i don't believe that an increase in the overnight rate or rapid increases of the overnight rate will remedy that. And I do like the idea of waiting a period of time, like, you know, four to six months to see if these things work themselves out as the Bank of Canada is predicting. Right. The other thing you got to keep in mind is we're citing this rapid runaway inflation on this basket of goods, but it's a year over year calculation. So we're calculating an increase over the previous year. And the previous year was abysmal. Yeah. Right. So to see another year-over-year -year increase would be alarming because we saw such rapid growth. But on a year-over-year -year basis, you should expect that we were going to see a rapid increase. It's the continuation of it that would be more concerning. But what we spoke about was inflation is measured as a year-over-year -year number. Mm -hmm. When you have a year of really, really high inflation, 
once that comes off, which it's starting to come off now because we've had high inflation for the past, you know, nine, 10 months, your year over year readings will now start to look more muted and may not require the same kind of very aggressive um, tightening that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. So maybe we won't see a two percentage point increase in the overnight rate, which would take our prime rate to 5.2%. Maybe we'll see only a one point increase. Maybe that one point increase brings us to 4.2%. But you're seeing the markets, which are another leading indicator of the economy. You're seeing the markets, like when a market drops 5% in a day, it's telling you, like, we don't see a lot of good stuff yeah, in the future, a problem. right? A the problem. markets trade on something called, like what everybody monitors is a price to earnings ratio, right? So they, you know, like, like there's either a kind of lofty price to earnings ratio or a neutral price to earnings ratio. Uh, the, the price being the price of a stock mm -hmm. and the earnings being how much that company, that stock earns. Right. What is happening is when money was cheap and f when money was free and it was just getting pumped into the system over the last two years, the price relative to the earnings of companies became high. Right, right, right. Because right. people had money and they were they needed to find places to deploy that money. And when they when they did that, they they kind of all rushed to put money into these companies. Right. Well, supply versus demand, the demand increased so the price increased of those companies relative to their earnings right so everyone cites the price to earnings ratio of these companies and now we've seen the price to earnings ratio fall because the prices fell mm -hmm. because con consumers are becoming concerned right investors are becoming concerned a recession will reduce the earnings of those same companies so we'll see the earnings drop so even if the price to earnings ratio stays the same, the earnings will drop, which means the stock prices will fall further. Right? You see right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And there are some aspects of human behavior that are affected by, you know, like the psychology of the market and how rich people think they are and how much money they're spending and how many times they're going out for dinner is affected when they look at the stock market, mm -hmm. right? Like it's almost become like this social barometer. It's like Trump started touting the stock market as like, look how good the stock market is. That's how good I'm doing as a president. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Believe it or not though, like the more the stock market kind of gained steam and uh, let's just use the S and P right. S and P at 4,500 people were spending money and they were, you know, freewheeling and fancy free. Mm -hmm. Seeing that S&P or any of these indexes kind of continually get dropped and eroded is going to tighten people up. Right. And it's going to reduce consumer spending. It's going to reduce consumer confidence. It starts there. It trickles through. Um, so we're combating inflation because people are worried about prices increasing. Prices are increasing because... Energy costs are increasing. Supply costs are increasing. There's been disruptions. We've been talking about all this stuff. All of these are going to further erode consumer confidence. And we're, 
we're being told by the Federal Reserve, being told by the central banks that, hey, this is necessary. Right. We need to get inflation under control. Primary concern, inflation. And we hope targeting inflation doesn't lead to a recession, but we're targeting inflation. Right. They've told us that. I read another article today, a guy named David Rosenberg, who's like a perma bear um, economist, who, who said in the last you know, eight years, all we've heard people say is don't fight the Fed. The Fed wants to stimulate the economy. The Fed is decreasing interest rates. The Fed is spending money. The, the Fed is printing money. The Fed is buying. The Fed was buying stocks at a certain point, but mm-hmm. debt, they're buying all kinds of things. Don't fight the Fed. The Let market's going to go up. Don't fight the Fed. No, no, don't bet against them. Right, Regardless right, right. of the fundamentals of the economy, don't fight the Fed. Go along for the ride. Right. Well, now the Fed is saying markets be damned. Recession be damned, essentially. Not right. like, listen, trust me, if we go into a recession, we're going to see accommodative policy come through. We're going to see rates come back down. But for the most part, we're hearing markets be damned. Our biggest concern right now is inflation. And we need to increase interest rates and we need to be less accommodative. Right. That has got to be worrisome. Sorry. You know, what you say? Well, I was going to say, I think we're overdue for a commercial. Let's go to commercial. Let's maybe put up a an, an old an old video of us, and uh, and and we'll be back, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about mortgages in the market. Sure. Toronto, defined by its people, hardworking, dependable, generous, accepting, beautiful people who need help sometimes. But when we need help the most, our banks say no. Connect helps homeowners borrow for less. Not just today, but forever. Your home loan approved online in seconds. Funded in 24 hours. Then unbiased lending advice to get you back on track, the way it should be. I'm Marcus from Connect. Let's make money count. Hey guys, welcome back. We're back. I wish I was a little more jolly about things, but it's honestly, it's sad today. Like, it's listen, okay. sometimes, like, we we gotta address what's going on in the marketplace, right? Yeah. Um. So if if you're at home and you're watching this right now and you're thinking to yourself, oh my god, like things sound like they're really not going to be great, I can tell you, if you have a bunch of debt that's at high interest rates, like, you know, credit card. This is the most immediate thing that I can think of to offer as advice. You've got credit cards that are weighing on you, line the credit, car loans. It's you go to Connect's website, it's the only tool I get in Canada. You enter in your address, we can tell you how much money you can borrow and how cheaply you can borrow it. It's always unbiased. It's always whatever the lowest available rate for you is that we can find. You always get paired up with a salaried mortgage agent from Connect that's gonna advise you as to how to best borrow money for your particular situation it all starts online at connect.ca it is super easy it is super customer focused and the sooner you look to do something like this in a market like this 
the higher the value you're going to get on your home mm-hmm. and the sooner you'll start saving money on interest rate, on whatever the rate difference is, on whatever you were paying on a credit card or on a high interest rate loan or on a high interest rate mortgage and the product that we're going to put you into. So there's never been a better time. I know we always say that if you are looking for money, when interest rates increase, property values come down. It's very typical, right? The larger the anticipated increase in interest rate, the greater the uncertainty in the marketplace, the more property values will decrease. Mm -hmm. If your property value is important to the amount that you are looking to borrow, which in many cases it is, 100%. Right? Then the sooner you look at doing it, the better. And again, it's like the, you go to Connect, it's non committal, right? Like you can go to Connect, we don't have to check your credit. We can have a conversation, we can give you the advice, and you can take what you want from it. So I got a couple of questions here from, from some, some loyal viewers. Sure. Are you ready? For my first question, taking the viewers away, what should I, Justin Turner, do with my stocks today? Hmm. Riddle me that. Okay. Well, I mean, it really depends. I kind of know what you own, right? Yeah, it's already talk a about it all the time. <laughs> Listen, I think that you you wait, um, you wait until you see days where the market's going to rise. And you try to sell some of it. You plop it. I yeah. think you not all of it. Like you try yeah. to. It depends on your conviction. Like, I'll tell you something. Right now, I only own two stocks. Going into this, I sold everything. Right. right? Um, I have pretty big positions in the two stocks that I own, but the things that I own are things that I wasn't planning on selling. Right. Yeah. 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 And does it hurt that like? I mean, one of them is gold. It's a it's a gold mining company, and it's like it hasn't really moved. It's kind of pretty stable. I might buy more of it. Right. Uh, the other one is a pharmaceutical, and um, they're developing something. And I'm like, I believe in the company. I believe in what they're doing. But you know, I probably wish that I sold it. Yeah, 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 yeah. When it was more than twice what it is right now. Yeah. For sure. Um, so if you have a thesis, like, I mean, it's hard to look back, right? But if you have a thesis as to why you bought something, stick to your thesis. Right. Right. Um, but there's going to be some pain ahead, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, interest yeah. rates are going to go up, which means that it will cost more for people to hold assets. And people will need to, not everybody is prudently thinking about assets and how they're buying them so they'll have to sell assets and that's what's happening and as assets get sold they drop in price yeah and there is a guy named howard marks who's like a famous fund manager and he has this line it's like um it's like it's it's a pendulum right when the exuberance happens when the greed is in the market the pendulum swings too far in one place Mm mm-hmm and then when you tap the pendulum because something's going on, pendulum swings in the other direction. Right. It's going to swing too far in the other direction, and that'll be an opportunity to buy. Yeah. yeah well, that's yeah. what I was going to just about to ask you, Marcus. Do you see this like for people sitting on the sidelines? Like you're now th- th- out of the stock game, for, like for the lack of a better word. Do you see this as being like a buyer's opportunity in the future? I don't buy into the stock market. You, you, oh well, I mean for anybody else though. Yeah. So like I'll tell you, Matt. 
The reason why I created the Mick. Yeah, I is know. Because the it's Mick, not a gamble, really. The Mick makes 8%. Now, like last month, we were at 8.5%. Mm-hmm. The Mick sticks to conservative valuations on real estate. Like already our portfolio, when we go to value something, we're valuing it at 15% below market, right? Like we're, we're built for this type of environment. Yeah, I was going to say the only thing that mine that I haven't lost money on in the last little bit is the Mick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, there's, it is so easy to get carried away, right? Mm-hmm. Like when the sun is shining, you like, you could convince somebody to bring their dining room table outside and have a nice dinner party and maybe bring their TV outside. Sounds like a good time. And it'll never rain. Try to record a podcast outside. But guess what? <laughs> guess what? Eventually it's going to rain. Yeah. And your shit's going to get damaged. And this is a buddy of mine today I was speaking to. He's 82 years old. He's in Mykonos. We're talking on the phone. And he goes, uh, he goes well, when it's sunny, nobody thinks it's going to rain. <laughs> and he's right, right? Like, yeah. I love these little anecdotal uh, kind of pearls of wisdom that you get from people that have been around the block 82 times. Yeah, yeah. been around the block Yeah, yeah. no, 100%. So the... Like in managing the Mick and managing the money in the Mick, I can t- can't tell you how many times in prospective investors call and they're like, wow, I wish it was 12% the return. You know, why is it higher? I'm going to pull my money out of the Mick because I'm going to go into the market because my friends are making more money in the stock market. Listen, the Mick is not a way to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. The Mick is a way to plot along slowly and get rich slowly. Mm-hmm. But for the MIC to drop 5%, I was thinking about this. For the MIC to drop 5% like the NASDAQ did today, you probably have to see real estate prices correct by 50%. Right. And yeah. all the people that borrowed money from the MIC would have to go bankrupt. Right. Right? 50% correction in real estate and every borrower goes bankrupt. That's what it's it never takes. never going to happen. Right. So, I don't know. What would I do, Matt? I don't think it's a buying opportunity yet. I don't think we felt fully the pain. I guess talking to another buddy of mine, like, you know, one of my best friends uh, who's a hedge fund manager. And he says, you know what? Five or 10% more down. And then we start buying. Is that Thanos? No, that's not Thanos. <laughs> that's old school. That's like the, that was like the origination of the podcast. Yes. Yeah. All right. I got emails here. Can we get into some? Did emails? I fully answer your question, Matt? I wouldn't buy yet. Smart people that monitor the stock market are telling me that if it drops another five to ten percent, they will start buying. Yeah. Like I be scared and greedy, or I you be scared. I keep thinking. I don't know why it's ingrained in my head. I keep thinking about an S and P at twenty six hundred when COVID hit. Right. And. I like I don't know. Could we test those lows again? Twenty six hundred on the S and P. Where like we're at, like what are we close today at? Thirty nine hundred, thirty eight, no, thirty nine hundred probably. Uh, you know, that's a little ways to go still. That's a far drop. But like a drop, like you know. Anyways, that's like ten, a 30, what, 10 points off of here doesn't take us to thirty five hundred on the S and P. Right, 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 right. All right, I got some emails here. Let's get into them. So we have our friend Amy. So she says, hi, Justin and Marcus. My name is Amy. My mortgage is coming up for renewal within the next few months. 
And I'm worried that with the rates being so much higher than what they uh, were when I got when I first got my mortgage, I won't be able to afford my new monthly payments when the time comes to renew. I'm on a fixed income, so there is not much room for me to pay, uh, pay a significant amount more monthly. And I've been looking to in some, into some investments to try and to find new ways to generate some income, uh, monthly income. But it's all confusing for me. I know you guys also deal with investments. So do you have any advice for me on that end? What would your advice be? I mean, you know what we're going to what I'm going to say. What would your course. advice be? Yeah, yeah. We're going to take a look at uh, refinancing, pulling out some equity, borrowing at considerably lower than than our MIC and, and investing to offset her monthly expenses. Yeah. Yeah. It's a slam subject dunk. subject to her being eligible to invest in the fund and for for her understanding the risk criteria of the fund. Right. Which you know, I don't know that there's ever been a better time to invest with Connect than right now. Right. Right? Like we've been cautious in how we've been lending over the last two years. As real estate prices started running up, we didn't rush to get our money out the door. Yeah, no. And you get a guarantee from me that, you know, I've got $2 million behind any single one of our investors. So before I forget the name of the person that wrote you that email. Amy. Amy. Before Amy loses $1 of her investment, I got to lose $2 million, Right. Which I don't plan on doing. Yeah, no. <laughs> Anyways, it's a, it's a, I, I definitely, like we've got some clients who maybe they, like, listen, at the end, you don't know when this thing turns around. I just, like, that we have some of our clients that are taking money out to invest in the stock market right now. Mm-hmm. Taking money out of their homes, taking money out of the MIC, and it's their money. Yeah. Um, I am not intelligent enough. I do not monitor the market, the stock market enough to know when it will change course. And it, a lot of it has to do with the psychology of the market that I was telling you about. And when you see a drop as significant as what we've been seeing, that it tells you that the market's not seeing a lot of positive in the future. Right. We could see another bounce tomorrow. Mm. I hope we see another bounce tomorrow. So do I. And I hope that something, some other positive variable enters the market. Like, I hope that Putin gets out of the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be positive. You know, that would be lovely, right? That would be positive. Um, I just, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I, that'd be something that'd be nice to see. I've been seeing a lot of a lot of people talking about bringing the oil manufacturing back to Canada and how that would help the economy. I mean, what episode did I say that? That our ignorance towards our energy policy has led to a cataclysmic failure in foreign policy. Matt, yeah, I what, believe uh, it was only two or three episodes ago. Okay. So yeah, you know what? Let's like let's put our heads in the sand and assume that carbon offset credits and being great for the environment will not have an impact on how rogue nations begin to deal and treat other nations, including ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're already seeing it case in point. Yeah. So don't worry. Now, as a complete knee-jerk reaction, same kind of pendulum bullshit that we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to come right back now and we're going to see more drilling and Pipeline. pipelines yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, Qatar is building more inroads into Europe to supply more natural gas, uh, more uh, liquefied natural gas facilities 
at different ports in Europe to accept natural gas. Listen, fossil fuels aren't going away next week, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Amazing. Listen, solar and wind and, and you know electric cars, all these things are so amazing. But you need to maintain a fossil fuel supply commensurate with how an economy is growing, right? It's all supply and demand, right? If the demand for fossil fuels increases and the supply decreases, then the price is going to increase. Mm -hmm. So we can't sit around now and say like, okay, well, Russia, we're not buying your oil and natural gas. Prices have spiked. Demand looks like it's going to be strong. Oil was at $0 two years ago. Yeah, yeah, not too long. It was at $0 a barrel. People were buying oil. They were just, actually, people were being paid to take barrels of oil. They didn't know what we were, what are we going to do with all this oil? Oil's done. But oil's over 100 bucks now, right? This is all supply and demand. So like the idea that a future, listen, long term, as my buddy Evan Johnson says, mega trend, less oil. Thank God, right? Because mm-hmm. we only have one planet. And like, yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, like, I am not ignorant to the impact of fossil fuels on this one precious world that we have. But I'm also not ignorant to the supply and demand economics of how badly it affects an economy when you're not being proactive about the amount of supply of something you need as the demand increases. Mm -hmm. So Marcus, let me ask you then, do you believe like, obviously they talk about there's no refinery plants here. So the, the solution is to spend infrastructure money to build that. But if mega trend, if oil's done, wouldn't the money be better spent on green energy projects? You got to do both. You got to do both. You got to do both. It's like, there is not, there's not one sound bite that that works which is why politicians can't solve the problem you can't solve it in four years it's not going to be popular right away with everybody it's not like there's not some feel good amazing story that solves these problems right it's a little bit of pain and it has to have long-term vision Mm -hmm. and we are not doing that right we had a whole bunch of money that we could spend to I, i talked about this in a previous podcast we had a whole bunch of money that we could spend to inject into our economy, and we had carte blanche to do it because of COVID. And what did we do? We basically just printed money and handed out checks in the most inefficient manner as po- possible. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, 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 it has to go out fast. So it forgives our incompetence as to how we're spending it mm-hmm. because it's got to go out fast. The key is it's got to go out fast. And now we're saying, oh, geez, we put the money out fast. We created inflation. Our economy is going into a tailspin. We got to increase interest rates because we printed too much money and it went to the wrong places. So we temporarily fixed something in order to exacerbate the problem down the road, which is we've been doing this. We've been the same game plan we've been playing from for 20 years now, right? Kick the can down the road. Well, guess what? There's no more road left. The can's going to fall down. You won't be able to kick it anymore. You have to jump off the cliff to find the can. (laughs) Oh, man. Listen, interest rates are going to go up and then they're going to come back down. Yeah. What goes up? I can't tell you. I'm not going to tell you about the stock market. I'm going to tell you about the real estate market. Okay. Tell me. We're going to reach a more normalized level in the real estate market where things are going to make more sense because they don't really make a ton of sense right now. 
Right. The amount of disposable income that a Canadian needs in order to service the debt on their home is too much. Right. They don't have it. Yeah. Inflation is high. Inflation will come down. I do not think inflation is going to come down because of the... Like, the other thing is, we're all now forgetting that interest rate increases take time to affect the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Which is what you said about inflation coming in. You said you when they're printing this money off a year and a half ago, you were like, it's going to take time for it to come in. And older episodes, you were saying all of this. Right. It's the same reverse fact. Right. So the same thing. Pendulum is going to swing. It's going to swing too far in the other direction. We're going to have to bring it right back again. It's going to be like, listen, this is going to be a little bit tough, but it's going to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We're going to see, I think we're going to see, you know, 20% drop in real estate prices. It's like when my- 25? Yeah. I don't know. Depends on how, how and when the Bank of Canada determines that we've seen enough. Right. And make no mistake that that drop in real estate prices is going to put people underwater. It's going to affect every, every single part of the Canadian economy. And when we reach that point, it's going to look like it can't, can't stop dropping. Right. But that'll be a point of some health in the economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And we'll drop interest rates and people will start coming back in. Right? People still are going to want to live somewhere. Mm -hmm. At a certain point in this cycle... The Bank of Canada, like I said, will step in and they'll reduce interest rates and they'll become accommodative. And people will come back into the marketplace. Right now, we're still in this place of like, oh my God, what's going on? Interest rates are going up. Prices have stabilized, right? Mm -hmm. That um, sales to new listings ratio is still in a relatively, like even at 45% for Toronto, is still in like the middle of the kind of buyer seller equilibrium range mm -hmm. right so we're not there yet last year we saw real estate prices went up 20 percent. right yeah, 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 yeah. right That's off crazy. of what off of what economic fundamental did they go up you want to know what it was free money yeah free money yeah, yeah. free money and like more money mm -hmm. well now the bank of canada and the federal reserve and all the central banks from all the g7 countries are saying the brakes are coming in because the only thing scarier than a recession is inflation right so it's time to pump the brakes right so don't try to swing for the fences right now how about that mm -hmm. there's my investment advice yeah yeah make sure if you're putting your money somewhere you're getting adequately rewarded for the risk you're about to take mm -hmm. because more risk is coming into the market before you weren't really getting paid for the risk you were taking mm -hmm. because too many people were trying to park money places so you were get like it's again supply and demand, right? Yeah, yeah. If too many people are chasing a yield, then it distorts the amount of return they're going to receive for the amount of risk that they're taking. Right. And I would say, and I would say, don't take high risk for inadequate returns, which is exactly what your bank is going to want you to do. To parking money there, right? I mean, your bank just doesn't give you any return. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's no risk, like unless I mean, there's a run funds, on the right? bank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A mutual yeah. fund. An ETF, right? Like yeah, you're yeah. taking risk, right? Um, your bank's not risky. Like putting yeah. money in a GIC, GIC at your yeah. bank is not risky, right? It's insured by the federal government up to 250 grand. It's, you know, it's. I mean, your, but what are you getting there? 1.5%? There's not a chance you're getting 1.5%. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 1.5%. 
you know, you could sign people up all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which you'll start seeing. Like yeah. GIC rates will increase. Right. Banks will want to stabilize. Um, they may start offloading um, loans into the, like this will happen as we come back out. Right now, you gotta understand what we're hearing from the Bank of Canada is the economy is on fire. Right. What I'm telling you about is what we're gonna talk about in the next six months. Right. Right. So that I can sit here six months from now and say, like, can we replay that podcast from six months ago? <laughs> that well, is our favorite thing to say. It is. It I is. know. And it's just like, you know, so I would say just like batten down the hatches right now. Mm. Slow down your spending. Yeah. Grab right? a blanket. Make some hot cocoa. Yeah, stay in and have just dinner. Yeah, Don't go yeah. out as much. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you got some reserves yeah to weather this like so you that. don't have to be forced to sell something that you don't want to sell yeah 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 no 100% right? and um when we come out on the under, other end of it you'll have a little bit of capital you'll be able to take advantage of some opportunities which is why like we've been talking for the last little while refinance when the value of your property is high mm-hmm. park the money mm-hmm. don't even use it keep it on a line of credit hold it because opportunities will come they were not they are not they have not been here so far right yeah 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 Oh man, the real estate agents that like send us business and like we work with, some of them, not all of them, but some of them are going to be like, ooh, why is he saying that? My buyers don't want to buy now. Yeah. Listen, it's unbiased advice. Yeah. I, 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 like, I hope, I hope we see something turn around. Like, I hope that some positivity can be injected into this, like the war in the Ukraine stopping or, inflation numbers being tamed i really sincerely do i just don't see i don't look i don't see the probability being in in our favor and and this is another good point too because i'm I'm reading through some of these emails that that we've been sent and i'm I'm not going to read this one but but you know we're going to start seeing a really good opportunity uh and we are already seeing a really good opportunity for for i've had the the last year six months a year has just been conversations with bummed out buyers who get outbitted and who you know are, are in there with 20 other people right and 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 we're going to start seeing really good opportunities for buyers first time you know what stuff though like that people bought nortel at 128 dollars, right right and then like a little while later it was four dollars and then it was zero dollars right so like Trust me, it's no fun. A recessionary cycle is no fun. Right. No, no, no. And I'm like, not saying it's fun. The buyers, the bummed out buyers yeah. are gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not bummed out. You know who's bummed out? Right. The people that are trying to refinance their home to pay off high interest rate loans and they find out that the value even that's on their impact statement, mm-hmm. on their most recent valuation for their home is no longer supported by whoever is deciding to lend them money. Right. Because just like you know, one day the house was valued at a million dollars and today they know they could probably sell it for 800. Mm -hmm. Not today. I'm saying like in the future after a drop, they know they could sell it for 800. The lenders become even more cautious and forward looking. Yeah. This pendulum swing, this exuberance that exists in a lending market when it looks like the runway is infinite and property values will continue to increase. When that comes away, it doesn't go to a neutral stance. It doesn't go to a stance of fairness where, okay, it's going to trade at 800. We'll value it at 800. It goes to a defensive stance. And that value then becomes 700 on right. the lending profile. Right. And underwriting guidelines tighten. Right. And 
We're going to see stress test requirements increase because interest rates are increasing. We're going to see, you know, like, listen, you do mortgages all day long, right? Mm -hmm. You can see there are banks when like, we'll see a deal come to us, borrow or call. What's your best rate? Okay. It's, you know, today, what is it like less around 4% if you've got 20% to put down or you're refinancing the 80%, it's 4%. On a fixed okay? rate, yeah. Fixed rate. Um, and the buyer says, okay, or the refinancer says, okay, listen, um, I think I can do better at my bank and they go off to their bank and their bank ends up giving them more, not maybe their interest rates the same, but more money than what we predicted that they could get. Mm -hmm. And they require less paperwork. Mm -hmm. So maybe usually this person would have been required to provide a tax return. We would have thought through us, through our lenders, that they needed a notice of assessment. And they'll call us up and say, you know what? I went to my local branch and I just gave them a job letter and they said, no problem. And they did my deal. Because the banks, again, they have many tools with which to kind of pull in that business. And when it's an exuberant environment and values look like they're forever increasing, their priority is get the money out the door. This is safe and easy. Rates are continuing to go up. Or sorry, property values are continuing to go up. Let's get the money out the door. Buyers are safe. Values are going up. All of that goes away. And the, even so, the way they lend from a value of property perspective mm -hmm. goes from being you know, really high lofty values, which we're surprised. We're like, oh my God, this value came in higher than we thought it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To depressed values and defensive values with where we're fighting with appraisals. Like, geez, like, come on, this appraisal, we know this property's gonna sell for 800. Appraisal's gotta be at least at 800 and you're fighting to get 800. Mm -hmm. Same thing for underwriting rules, right? Where you once could have gotten away with walking into your local bank and saying like, hey, come on, like, help me out, here's a job letter, and the bank says, no problem, that's going to fall away and it's going to turn into, we need a ton of documentation. Yeah, yeah. It's going to tighten up, right? That tightening is what we haven't seen yet. So don't get caught needing money in that tightening period. Borrow the money in advance of being there, mm -hmm. right? Put yourself in a powerful position when you're negotiating with your bank. Get ahead of the eight ball. Right. I've said it to so many clients over the last like little while that like if you really are worried about housing prices going down and interest rates going up, like it makes the most sense to get as much money as you can right now. Right. It just makes sense. Like because yeah. if you're looking into this in the future and all of a sudden the prices are down, interest rates are up and you're trying to get access to it, what are your options? It's like that old there's another old little pearl of wisdom. Oof. You want it? Yeah, I love okay. a good pearl of wisdom. Bring it on. All right. If you borrow a little bit of money from a bank, it's your problem. If you borrow a whole lot of money from a bank, it's their problem. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, hey, guys. Um, my name's Martin. Uh, I want to pull more money out of my house for rentals, but I think I'm uh, in a good situation with my current mortgage. Heard that a lot lately. And don't want to mess with that. I have secured a low two uh, low rate two years ago and don't want to refinance and lose that rate. I've heard about home equity loans, but I know they're pretty pricey, especially with rates rising right now. Do you think it's too expensive to consider? Are there other options out there? The home equity loan market is going to explode. Yeah. 
Yeah. 100%. In this next cycle. 100%. So if you are looking to invest in a MIC, invest in ours and do it right away. Because I'm going to tell you something, the caliber of borrowers that we're going to be able to attract in our fund and still maintain a really nice yield for our investors when there's no other yield out there, right? It's, it's going to be like nothing we've seen in the last little mm-hmm. while. So like a guy like Martin, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say he got the best five-year fixed rate two years ago. 167. Yeah, one and a half. <laughs> Never yeah. mind. Like I saw one and a half floating around. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. So say he got one and a half percent on a five-year fixed rate. He's got three years left to run on that one and a half. He could break his mortgage now. Let's make up numbers for Martin. Okay. Yeah, okay. So Martin has a million dollar house with a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage at one and a half percent. I was just thinking that. Okay, great. Okay, go on. That's easy numbers, right? <laughs> so uh He's got a $1 million mortgage. Oh, sorry. $1 million house, $500,000 mortgage, 1.5%. Okay. He needs to do renovations. How much money does he need? 100 grand? 100 grand. 200 grand, maybe. 200? Don't go 200 because I probably wouldn't. We as Connect probably wouldn't lend 200. Right. Right. Right? We got to be, again, the pendulum is swinging, right? We're going to be conservative on that value. So a million dollars today, we got to discount that a little bit because we know real estate prices are coming off. Right. No offense, Martin. This is for Martin's good and for our good. Yeah. Because if we give Martin too much money and if prices don't stabilize back to a million dollars. So let's say we give Martin your 200, which is why you don't underwrite mortgages. Okay. (laughs) Let's say we give Martin 200,000 bucks. Yeah. So we take his total debt now up to $700,000. Right. Which we are not doing for the record. Okay. We're not going to do this. I didn't say we were going to get it. No, I know. I'm I'm closer to 100 grand. What I'm willing to approve right now for Martin is about 100 grand. Okay. Okay. okay, okay. Especially after seeing the market drop this much today. Yeah. 100 100 grand is also kind of making me a little nervous. Maybe closer to 50. No, no. 100 grand. 100 grand is fine. Especially considering Martin probably has great credit and great income because he qualified for the one and a half. Okay. Okay. Yep. Subject to great credit and great income, Martin can have 100 grand. I'll price it right now for you. Six and a half percent with a two-point fee for a year. We have a look at it at the end of the year. If if things have stabilized, we'll drop the rate for them. Okay. If if values are kind of holding where they are, might even give them a little more money. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we got to feel things out over the next year. But six and a half percent on that hundred is way cheaper than Martin refinancing five hundred thousand dollars in debt from one and a half to four percent. Yeah. Because that delta is 3.5% on $600,000, not just the Mm $500,000. He's going to increase just the expense on the 500 grand by Mm $7,000, 3.5 times 500, right? Not to mention, he's going to have legal fees. He's going to have to break that existing mortgage, which is already a really good mortgage. So three months interest on the 500, like it's, you know, there's another 4,500 bucks. Like there, the costs will add up when he looks to do this. Right. People like Martin, number one, should be careful if they're going to borrow money in this environment. Right. Right. Like, again, you would advise them the same thing. Martin will take us later. But it'll be cheaper to do the renos, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you noticed, right? Like, every cost went up. Everybody wanted to renovate. So, those costs, as pe- fewer people want to renovate, will go down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cheaper to redo your basement in a recession than it was last year. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay? So, but... The home equity loan market is going to be so competitive because the weighted average cost of capital 
will benefit the consumer. It will benefit the consumer to borrow money in second position at a good rate. Good borrowers borrowing at good rates. I'm talking like five, six, seven percent. Instead of refinancing the entirety of their first mortgage in order to get the money that they need and pay more interest on all of it. Yeah, yeah. Match the maturity of the existing first mortgage and provide them with a good exit at the end. What you don't want to do is you don't want to give Martin 200 grand. This is what I was saying. You don't want to give him 200 grand on top of his 500. And then three years from now, we're still in a recessionary period. Property values has come off. Martin's house is worth 700 grand now. Right. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. There's to no Martin. escape. I wouldn't do that to right? Martin. Right. So we, what should Martin do? Obviously he should do a home equity loan. Obviously he should probably figure out like, is it going to add a significant amount of value? You know what I would love if Martin was spending a hundred grand to add a basement apartment, mm-hmm. then it would be a slam dunk. Yeah. Right. Don't add a home theater in this environment. Right. Maybe not a home theater. I like speakers. But um, uh, interesting thing that you said uh, that, that, that I kind of wanted to point out is, you know, um, you had mentioned that home equity loans are going to get competitive, but they haven't yet. Everyone else is raising the rates, uh, you know, uh, uh, in relation to, to, you know, rates going up, but we have not, right? Like, you know, we're, we're passing along the savings to the borrower still. We're going, we're, we're focused more on risk yeah. than we are on return. So if you're investing with Connect, I mean, our rate went up maybe on average, we might be up a half point from where we were last year because of the way interest rates have moved. But I mean, okay, so the way the MIC is built, because we don't pay anybody to bring investors to us. We don't, we're not forced to deploy capital, right? We can sit on money. And we're also not forced to have a target yield. Like a lot of our peers in the, in the lending space pay to bring money in the door, right? So like if they want, to bo- if they want $100 of an investor capital, they may pay 4 or $5 to get it in the door, 4 right. to 5% to get it in the door. Right. And then they have to pay mortgage brokers to source mortgages for them. Another two to five bucks. So the hundred dollars that they get from the investor kind of ends up being 90 bucks when they're lending it out. And they have to tar- they have to offer a good yield to their investors. So they have to find risky borrowers. Connect doesn't pay mortgage brokers and we don't pay people to bring us money. So we don't pay for deals and we don't pay for investors. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to transfer the return that we're receiving for the risk we're placing the capital at directly to our investor. Right. And in an environment like what we're seeing right now, we don't have to chase risk. We can provide a good solid yield. And when everyone else is trying to get to a return number, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the return number. Mm-hmm. You know what I care about? Making sure every dollar of capital in our fund is safe. Right. That's my concern. Yeah, 100%. And it's... It will always be the overarching mandate of Connect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bottom line for Martin, if yeah. he wants good advice, yeah, and he wants, you know, uh, hundred grand, <laughs> hundred grand, yeah. fine, hundred grand, it's not two hundred grand, and he wants some good advice. Head over to Connect.ca, fill out the application, get a quote instantly. And, and one of our salaried agents will be in touch with you right away. Yeah, I mean, it's important to say, like, we have all this automation, right? So you can go to the website, you can, like, 
immediately download an approval. Literally, with, depending on how quickly you can enter in your information. Yeah. You get the approval in like 30 seconds. I'm pretty right? quick on my phone. So yeah, hopefully Martin is too. Yeah. So, but it still comes with a phone conversation. Mm-hmm. It still comes with what do you need the money for? What is the timeline? Like you're still going to get the sound unbiased mortgage advice that has made connect into the company that it is. Mm-hmm. We are not just handing money over because you have equity in your home. Yeah. Right. The, again, I'll say this again. Litmus test for borrowing money from connect is what are we fixing? Yeah. How are we getting you to lower cost capital? What is it thing that we're fixing? Typically in the market that we've seen where interest rates on first mortgages were so low, we needed to fix something to help somebody get a low interest rate. We needed to fix income, we needed to fix credit, or we needed to fix real estate. What we're going to see now, which is why I believe it's such a great opportunity for the home equity loan marketplace, is we're going to see people that we don't have to fix anything for. The only thing we have to fix is time. The only thing we have to do is help them maintain their low cost of borrowing, not take them to low cost borrowing, right? Keep your 1.5% five-year fixed rate, borrow an amount of money that you require to do whatever it is that you need to do and to take you to the maturity of that existing five-year fixed rate mortgage so that you don't have to break it. Because I guarantee you, the banks are going to be all over people to break those first mortgages. Oh, yeah, for right? sure. You got a 1.5% five-year fixed rate with a bank. Hey, why don't you borrow some more money? Mm-hmm. Why don't we refinance this into a brand new, and they won't even say the rate, brand new low monthly payment. Yeah. You know interest rates are high when people start talking about what the payment is. Yeah. Okay? And that's another stage in this cycle. Yeah. I've been doing this now for over 20 years, which is crazy. I'll tell you something else. In over 20 years, we have not felt any pain, right? right. Like we saw a couple little blips on the radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that this is just a blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. I think it might be a little more than a blip on the radar, though. Yeah. 